Good morning. I am your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the June 20, 2017 edition of Ask a Leader. Today is World Refugee Day that, on a global scale, 65 million displaced, experiencing mental instability like most of us cannot fathom. Please let that sink in. Tomorrow might be a continuation of Refugee Day, if done with any real sincerity. And many more are on their way as the planet heats up and up. Today is the special election in Georgia's 6th Congressional District. If you know anybody in that neck of the Atlanta woods, make sure they vote tonight, all right? Also, South Carolina's 5th Congressional District is holding elections, too. Now for today's show, we've got Peggy Mardudin back on tap to offer her ever useful context about Russia, Vladimir Putin, and the flip side, stateside. If you get a little uncomfortable, it means you're paying attention. We'll be right back after a short station break. Welcome back to the show. My guest for the entire hour is Margaret Mara Dudin. I call her Peggy Mara Dudin. She's a Russian analyst extraordinaire, again, just in time. With her inestimably modest and unflappable expertise on all things Russian, she brings to us. And really, we're going to talk about what just doesn't get the coverage, what just requires your full attention. Previously, she's been on to cover the Sochi Games, the conflict in Ukraine, Russian lawmaking, resetting relations during the Obama administration, as well as the proxy battle being waged between the U.S. and Russia in Syria. So what do Russians really think and what about the media are they consuming versus what we're consuming? So on the last show, she highly recommended Peter Pomerantsev's book, Nothing is True and Everything is Possible. It's a very important read. I put it in the previous show's podcast summary. I'm going to put it back up again for everybody on askaleader.com. And this is the frame through which I'd like to explore the latest developments. We're biting off a big chunk. We'll try to do justice to this immense topic as we chew on it. Welcome, Peggy Maradudin. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. It's nice to be back. Nice, but man, it's such unsettling stuff. We've got to make sure we do right. <laughs> so there is a slow motion penetration of democratic values, and he talks about that happening. It's sort of it's how in uh, in Russia, it's sort of a society cannibalizing itself. Yes. Oh, no. Actually, it's really uh, Putin and the Russian attitude about democracy and the United States particularly. And you have to watch that. Closely. Yep, very closely. And unfortunately, this is not seen much in our media. Um I really want to kind of get you to review what has happened in Putin's world that has made him pursue the uh, objectives that he is pursuing. Yes, he does want to weaken and undermine 
democracy because he doesn't believe in it. Um, but he also, this started to a great extent at the time when we unilaterally, well, almost unilaterally, invaded Iraq. And he felt this was wrong. And the idea of going in and uh, undoing the power or taking from power a leader and destroying the state has been a theme that has grown on him since then. And I don't know if you want me to go ahead and kind of give well, a go Well, go ahead, because I, I know what that we, we've already talked about his leadership either being implicated in the apartment bombing in 1999 right. and the invasion of Iraq was four or five years, four years later. That's right. So please open up exactly what you want well, us actually, to fully appreciate about his being unnerved by. I mean, uh, many of us were unnerved by the unilateral move in Iraq in the two, year 2003, but how it got under Putin's craw is important to explore now. Mm-hmm. Yes, but also I want to go back to the apartment bombing. Okay. Uh, because uh, to my sense, and I've looked at it fairly closely, he uh, oversaw these bombings. And so he's even willing to kill Russians to achieve his ends. Then he goes into Chechnya and basically destroys the city of Grozny. The capital there, yeah. Yeah, it's the capital of Chechnya. He gets into place his own person, but his own person, Kadyarov, is very hard to control. This is kind of one of the things I'm laughing about because he Hardly. doesn't always know what he's getting into when he takes on somebody in another country, and that may be happening right now here in this country. But after that, yes, we have the Iraq invasion, and he begins to realize or think. And actually, he has convinced a lot of Russians that the United States is acting too superior. It is really not exceptional, which is the title of one of the articles that he wrote for the New York Times. That's right, with an American public relations expert, but, but we, we've covered the, some of that, but you no, were saying I'm just to the point. again, uh-huh. because I'm leading yes. up to what begins to happen to him. Uh, he had come to the United States when George W. Bush was president, and this is when the famous statement, I've looked into his eyes. <laughs> I saw into his soul or something. Yeah, was, I was saw some... his soul, you know, and actually Putin told him the story of the cross that he always wears. And if you watch Saturday Night Live, that cross is always very prominent. Right, right. Um, But he began to support or push the idea of a new world order. And that new world order would be where most of the great countries, including Russia, would be equal. And he is very frustrated as he watched us continue with our concept of exceptionalism. And uh, he watches us in Libya. And he's very upset with the idea that we would control the airspace over Libya, that we would end up killing Gaddafi. Uh, And it's at that point in 2007 that he gives a speech at the Munich Security Conference. 
And that speech is the first time that you heard about the New World Order. And it's the first time that he publicly scolds the American diplomats that are there at that conference for acting unilaterally and destroying countries, basically. He goes on with the same theme, and I usually like to kind of bring this summary uh, yes. together with his appearance at the 70th anniversary of the United Nations. By the way, up until that time, he has not come back to the United States. And the, what, what year was uh, this, the 70th anniversary? Is Was this within? Oh, 2014. To, 14, okay. I, remember I think. When? <laughs> I have 70 off by back. one. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's he, saying a lot. Yes, actually. Uh, he comes in by helicopter, <clears throat> is deposited at the UN enclave in New York. He gives his speech, and then he leaves. And he is leaving for a boat that's off the coast of the United States. <clears throat> now, in that speech, again, he admonishes the United States. And he concludes one of his paragraphs with the famous phrase, do you realize what you have done? And he looks angrily at the diplomats. So he has become an adversary, or he wants to manipulate <clears throat> so much of the rest of the world that claims to be democratic, a democracy. And I'm not sure if it, last time I was on, I made the declaration, and I still do, and they're beginning to realize it, that Putin and cyber warfare, which is a kind of soft undermining of the people in the West, that he was the one who gave permission, pushed a little bit, as he does, Brexit. Right. And I think we mentioned a little bit about Cambridge Analytica, that the algorithms were able to interfere with the social media platforms yeah. to plant uh, false false notions, as, as which has also happened <coughs> in the, the, Trump the Trump campaign was also using Cambridge Analytica, oh, yeah. care of all that, the wealth of the, the campaign. And so uh, what Peter Pomerantsev talks about in his book was about the, give, that he puts the... Putin and Putin's Russia in the 21st century avant-garde in playing a more subversive game, and that's exactly what you're telling us here. Yes, he is. In the Brexit thing, uh, all he had to do was put out a tremendous amount of false news on the influx of immigrants, especially from the Near East, uh, Middle East, uh, especially Muslims. <clears throat> and he has... Everything, he, he's, he's appealing to an audience that's resisting this. Brexit's past, and he is enjoying every minute of this. Now comes along a slightly unknown quantity in the case of Donald Trump, and he has a number of things which I watch. When you say he, I mean, Trump now. No, or jump back to Putin, watches, but he wants okay. watches about Trump. First of all, I am sure that Trump is subject to what we would call in Russian kompromat. It's now become such a popular word, but it is in the Western vocabulary as well. 
Compromat is something that Trump obviously, I, what I f see is fear when he talks about Russia. Trump has fear. And that means there's something they have on him that he doesn't want to. Or thinks. Could be. I don't know that it's even one. Oh, I'm it sure could be a multitude. Right. The, Let's let our imaginations really exactly. run. To try to catch up with a lack of attention. Yes. Actually, I think when he was there in Moscow for the uh, Miss Universe. Was when Trump when, wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. When yep. he was there. And I think that's when they caught him. And they're famous for doing this. This is an old KGB trick and an FSB. These are the two the security the current forces. Ones. Uh -huh. Yeah. So first of all, that. Compromat, but there's also compromat because of, we have a feeling, but it's hard to, to be, mm -hmm. I think, I'm not sure how it can be documented about how much of Trump's own financing is well, laundering my, the, oh, that's your next one. That's okay. my next one. Okay, point. please You're pick, right. I'm sorry. You're doing it just fine. Um, yes, there is, if you ever read any books on Donald Trump and his history, of building buildings, real estate, golf courses, casinos. He is involved with investors from other countries, and it's very hard to follow the money. And it's, this is what I would urge people to do in this situation, and I'm sure that Mueller, the special counsel, is following the money, but that is so hard to do. Right. Very difficult. They've been playing this game over there on the other side of the Atlantic a long time. <laughs> yes, they have. And the bank in Cyprus is one of the main turning points for it. And how about London, though? London, as <clears throat> uh, Peter Pomerantsev points out, there's the, the, the legal sector, the banking sector, and law enforcement sectors mm -hmm. are turning, looking the other way with yes, all this Russian capital yeah, knocking around yeah. London. Well, London's going to be hurt by Brexit because of the financial uh, leadership that's leaving London. But <clears throat> also, um, well, I actually, I don't know if it's Pomerantz or who, that calls it London Grant. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which I love, which is, is true, actually. If you go we to London... We need to think of that very, very seriously. It's mm -hmm. No, if you go to London, you can sense that there's different levels of wealth and sort of manipulation. And in London, it's very obvious where they own magnificent homes and go shopping at the top, top level stores. And uh, I just, I, London Grant's a good example. And you have to remember people like uh, Bereshkovsky, uh was in London, Roman, Romanov was in London, uh, they all have London buildings that they live in. They send their kids to English schools, et cetera, and so forth. So there's a lot in London, yes. But also... But in Cyprus. And, but yeah. But also there's a lot, to my astonishment, in the United States, especially in New York. And New York is a world that Trump loves to play in. Yes. And... But Go ahead. I just want to let those of you who've just joined us, <coughs> you're listening to my inestimable Peggy Maradudin, analyst of all things Russian and, and certainly v Vladimir Putin, the, the focus of, oh, I'm hoping we can get the 
the thir most thorough possible characterization of today here on Ask a Leader at KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine. So we are talking about where we can see that our sitting president is compromised by the yeah. the Russian, uh, by Putin's levers being pulled as well as the capital that moves into the Trump portfolio. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, actually, if you read the, or saw the very long article about Michael Flynn in the New York Times, you'd get a picture of what can go on. That man, and actually, if you realize, for some reason or other, Trump is very concerned about Flynn. Right. And you kind of have to wonder, <laughs> uh, because that fear extends tremendously to Flynn. And Flynn must have something on Trump. But Flynn, in his last years, was very involved in cybersecurity and also in um, getting investors from other countries, not just from Russia, but also Turkey and Iran, et cetera, and so forth. So there's an interesting global aspect to this as well. Now. Putin is one of the interesting characters in this scenario because he will, because of his training, have ultimate deniability. How's that? He will not. He, every once in a while, he'll crack a joke about what's going on in the United States. But also, uh, I think it's kind of funny because the Kremlin doesn't know what to do with this unpredictable man in the White House. But Putin will do that famous thing of saying casually, will you get rid of this or will you do that? Right, right. And I've forgotten which king it is that did it and Thomas the Becker was killed. I think it's Richard II. Okay. And they bring that up constantly. He goes on about his own business Peshkov, his communications official, who's very interesting as well, but also he denies every softball. And this is one of those things that I want to remind people of a couple of characteristics of the Russian people. One is, remember, they've lived under communism for 70 years. And under communism, they learned to accept whatever they heard. It was the only way to live. And they had a stability <laughs> that was ingrained in the The, the benefits of stability mm -hmm. was something yeah. strained but stable. Yes, so they had stability, and Putin offers them stability. And he also offers them a couple of other things as well. He offers them that father figure that the Tsar used to portray. But one of the interesting things is to remember, and I've been stunned when I hear this or see it, because I've been in Russia many, many yes, times. Yes, of course. That they have no respect for the rule of law. And when you stop to look at our country, I even think about this as I'm driving on a freeway or around on roads that people respect the law, or most of the time. And in Russia, no. Mm -mm. 
they, they actually get a thrill out of breaking the law or ignoring it. A gaming kind of mindset. It's exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is, they learned to do this under the communist period. So, And in Peter Pomerantz's book, too, Pomerantz's book, that he talks about a, an entrepreneur, a woman who is incarcerated mm -hmm. because they want to sort, it's a, it's a, a method of taking businesses and, oh, and outright, oh, taking a business out from under somebody while that person is incarcerated. And the only reason she was able to be sprung from her, her prison was that she, the only game she could play was to play one clan off of the other. That is the only check and balance, is clan versus clan. Well, you, if you're talking about clan, you're talking about mafia. Right. Okay, so she played them all off, and she <coughs> she got, she called them on that, and, and Yana got out of there. Mm -hmm. But so that's that's the only understanding mm -hmm. uh, out of the rule of law. Yeah, you get as much as you can. You can break the law as much as you want. Just don't get caught. <laughs> and if you get caught, the courts will. And remember, they live under the Napoleonic Code. You're guilty until proven innocent. Until and you've, you've and you had enough payola. Yeah, and work. the police would not have arrested you unless you were guilty. So that's the way the courts approach any new person brought in before them. And it's interesting to watch a couple of other things. And Claudia, I noticed you mentioned Alexei Navalny. He is a fascinating part of the Russian picture. And we're going to bring him up now, partly because he was had a huge profile mm -hmm. in launching this opposition that was not in Moscow only, it was all over Russia about mm -hmm. two weeks ago. But mm -hmm. let's talk about, he's a, he has a little nationalist background, he has a lot of different things in his portfolio. Oh yes, no, he's very much of a nationalist. Yes. Very conservative that way. Um, and also, if you remember, uh, first of all, he's been documenting corruption, and corruption is the one thing that will get people into the streets. Strangely enough, uh, it's not something like annexing Crimea or something like that. It's corruption. And they suffer from corruption, and they lived with it under the communist regime tremendously. So he documents it. If you ever want to see, you can go on YouTube and you can see some of his documents. I'm amazed they haven't blocked them. I have not seen the latest one on Medvedev. Well, do you think this is a kind of a valve that, that Putin is loosening, is just to let a little bit out for, he, he is, do you think? He's trying to clean up, he says he's trying to clean up corruption. He uses that as a way to get rid of people he doesn't want. Right. And so this is a way. And in doing so, he uses compromat. So yeah. this is something that will recur and recur. Uh, also, he will uh, get them into prison, stuck in prison for a number of years. Actually, this is what happened with Bill Broder and Maginsky. Yeah. And yeah. The McGinsky story, we'll not hear the end of it, but I do recommend Bill Broder's book on this, The Red Notice. Uh, fascinating reading. 
Because he, he's the, an, an American attorney that was involved with. No, he was a the, Russian attorney. The Russian, the, I mean, and, right. <laughs> but he was in. He wasn't was he an American though in yeah, Russia? Uh, yeah, Broder. No, no uh, Boder was right. Maginsky's yes. the, the Russian. No, Boder was, was no fa- longer with us. By Maginsky by yeah. p- intention. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the red, the name of that one is called the Red Red Notice. Notice. Okay. By Bill Broder. But back to Navalny. Uh, yes. <laughs> he <laughs> he has been in and out of prison, and I don't quite understand how he gets out. But he ran for mayor of Moscow and got far more votes than was expected. Expected, exactly. But which was like about 8%? Oh, got 20%. 20 mm-hmm. okay. Oh, yeah, they're pretty good. And uh, But Navalny also has managed to build a center or, of people that work with him and they they do these documentaries, they do the research, et cetera, and so forth. I know Putin does try to control him. And I recently, after those protests, right. he was arrested. Right. But he doesn't keep him in jail. He keeps, oddly enough, the sadly enough, Alexei Navalny's brother is always in jail. And what's, what is that about? It's is he it's close to his brother? He's used to uh, Putin is used to uh, holding a hostage. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay, <laughs> dividing and conquering the family yeah. members. That's right. So I mean, so many things that you said that when Putin wants a problem to go away, and that person has a heart attack in Bali or in London or in I don't know. They they never seem to to conk off in Cyprus. But <laughs> wh- why do you think that Navalny hasn't had a heart attack yet? Is, and that's what puzzles you. They've done everything they can. But actually, the other thing I think, uh, in some ways, Putin uses somebody like this to make it look like he has a Some respectability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got an opposition. But but he keeps jerking Navalny's chain by keeping his brother incarcerated mm-hmm. all this time. Oh, yeah. Far out? And no way, do you know? No, I don't dis- know what prison he is so in. So he's disappeared. But, but he is in prison. Okay. He's been for a number of years and is still going to be in prison for a number of years as well. So <laughs> it's, it's a scenario that is intimidating. Very. And I don't think Somebody like Trump would worry about being going to prison, but he does worry about two things. He worries about the compromat. They've got videos or something on him doing something. But also, they do have uh, financial ties. Right. Tremendous. And also, the other thing that worries me mostly, and I think why Trump is afraid is the ties to the mafia in New York as well as in Russia. New Jersey, Florida, <laughs> uh, Long I mean, Island, all over. Brighton Beach, you name it. Yeah, definitely in George, in Florida. And that's where so many of the oligarchs have purchased, you know. Major holdings. Major, expensive holdings. Uh, and this is, again, why I think we're not seeing his tax returns. Oh, that's absolutely <laughs> got to be. Yeah. It, it, is, it is fascinating how much they've been in, able to infiltrate our world. 
and they do this through money mostly, but also because there's so much and also strong arm techniques, et cetera, and so forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why that as Compromat, our sitting president, that he is concerned about what the sanctions, his wish. I mean, that that's where all of this started to go very, very sour in the transition to his assuming the presidency was. Flynn saying, well, we'll we'll let up on the sanctions. And that that that's what has denied the Russians bringing in more collecting more oh, money. No, off the of banks are what are mostly affected, which is so fascinating by about uh, Jared Kushner's meeting with the banker. What do you make of that? I what think were he, you picking I, up on? I really think. He and what was, was missed in the coverage? Uh uh, well, I really do think, although it was a little bit suggested, that Jared Kushner is, has some financial problems right. with his latest real estate. He was over leveraged, and he had capital coming oh, from. yes. And also in New Jersey. Right. Quite a bit of investment there. And I think he was looking to uh, get more money out of the central bank in Russia. And this is something that Putin has control over. And so it's fascinating to watch that as well. And uh, also, it's one of those things that Michael Flynn is very experienced in getting money out of Russia. So there's something there, too. Again, I, I repeat that Trump seems to be afraid of Russia. And you mentioned he doesn't use Putin's name anymore. I don't think he ever has. No, actually, I was thinking of Peter Pomerantsev never uses Putin's name in his book. He'll quote other people using his name, mm-hmm. but the president is what he refers to him. And I, there, there's something he's very tactical about, not invoking yes. his name. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But but that yes, but our president, our sitting president, is silent on so many transgressions, and and now we have the breaking news from Newsweek about Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is talking about wanting to work directly with the Russians on cybersecurity. That must just blow your mind, Peggy. Yes, it should. (laughs) Because I know. Well, the other thing is, again, Flynn is very involved in cybersecurity. So it's like the infrastructure of that alliance Mm -hmm. has already been set up, and Tillerson is sort of being asked to to carry it out. Yeah. Although Tillerson is an interesting character in that he's very well aware of the manipulation power of the Russians. How can you see that, Peggy? Uh, Well, he's been in it (laughs) when he was negotiating the contracts for the North Sea oil, uh, the Barents Sea oil with extra Exxon. Also, in it, but not compromised the way the other characters that you've talked about? Don't sense he was compromised. So that's the, maybe that's the kind of top-level executive no. he is. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It that's is. why you say it's interesting. interesting. And also, he was very involved in the legal struggle for the oil rights in Sakhalin, in the Pacific Coast. Uh, right, near, ocean. No, near Korea. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And Ala- actually, Alaska. It's closer. N- well, it's actually tr- just off the Russian coast. Right. Mm-hmm. Through, uh, I think, Vladivostok. You can get to it very easily. Uh, so he's used to dealing with all of the unpredictability of the Russians, the Russian courts, because they had to finally give up some of the oil rights to the Russian government because it says the Russian government has to own 
So, so do you think maybe that's Tillerson's relationship to Russia is our sitting president's effort to sort of silence any dissension he would get from Tillerson, since Tillerson knows a lot and is maybe pushing back in not being compromised? I don't think Trump think, thinks about people that deeply. <laughs> really, it's that bad. Okay. Uh, it's, it's that bad. And I think he really sounds right now like he's so afraid of wherever all these investigations are going uh, that he really needs to do something. And I, it'll be interesting to see what he does. He's out of control a little bit. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, I'll, get, I'll stand by the correction. Well, that's so. I'm, I, there's a lot of ideas. Uh, well, when we're talking about the corruption, <coughs> Peter Pomerantsev, he it's quite the the literary work too. And he points out in Russia, there's in Russian, there's more word for bribes than there are Eskimo words for snow. So, do you, uh, you know a few of them? Uh, no, actually, because you're a Russian well, speaker. I, I usually use the word compromat. So. Okay, because <laughs> that's one of the ways in which you can uh, use compromat is to get a bribe. But it is true that um, among the mafia, they demand a roof, is what they use, the Russian word for roof, and they go and get protection money from everybody, from officials to small store owners. You have to pay at Kalisha. I think it's something like that. And the mafia is very strong. And again, this is where you have to go back to Putin's early years in what was then Leningrad in St. Petersburg, when he was an official in the mayor's office. And he had to deal with international companies, and he had to deal always with the mafia. And the most strong mafia center is... uh, well, I'm going to say St. Petersburg now. Right, right. You know, it's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating thing that Putin has managed to get away from being identified with the mafia so much anymore. So we'll see what happens there too. With the slates of hand, but I just want to let anyone who's just joined us. My guest is Peggy Mardudin, and you, as you can hear, she's so familiar and. So razor edge, critically thinking what's going on with all things Russian. And it's so important for us as we consume the news and as we have our attention derailed by the shiny objects that are coming out of the all of the palace intrigue that says somebody's in, no, somebody's out, somebody's in. But they're they're really all of them in. None of them have left and all and and more and more are compromised as we have a chance to examine connections that uh, are, are cropping up now mm-hmm. in, in our media. So we're letting Peggy Mardudin fill in the blanks that have been avoided by our media. Why don't you think the media does a better job? This, this should be like getting clicks. This should be getting all kinds of eyes on this sordid develop, all these developments. Well, when you do this, it's interesting because I think many of the media are concerned about doing this because a lot of this is speculation. And they're supposed to find 
ways of verifying any But they could say, they could qualify everything mm-hmm. they say, but they, but there is such a monumental import here in all of this. But there, there are many ways they can put mm-hmm. it out there without saying they are being definitive, but they understand it's important to follow. Yeah. Uh, they have run articles about mafia, New, uh, the Russian mafia, in uh, particularly the New York area, but they don't tie it in yet, and maybe they're going to have to. I don't know whether they, uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post are doing tremendous investigative reporting. They're putting lots of resources in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I they have a feeling that they're in the area of speculation when they get into this mafia area uh, because they've got tons of, uh, not the media, but <laughs> well, yes, the media too have tons of lawyers who are speaking for them. And I'm sorry, I can't remember. I'm sorry, let's let you say, who are they that have lawyers speaking for them? The mafia? You're no. talking, oh, the mafia do, okay, because we've got, there's a lot of they's flying around. I'm going to keep pulling the antecedent out along with that, that yeah. reference to they. No. Okay. And they call it lawyering up, which yeah, I Right, right. Was. Well, now more people are lawyering up inside the Oval yeah, Office. Even Pence has got Even Pence, that's right. Yeah. Is he compromised yet? I don't think so. It, you're, which is we, very we're strange. Saying spec- yeah? yeah. Why would that be strange? It's very strange in that he's sort of the upright guy. He wants to appear that way, and he has. And he's never traveled to Russia, which is why they can't get compromised. Well, he's hardly been out of Indiana. Yes. He's just been on the campaign trail, but I don't know mm-hmm. how much time he's even been in New York yeah. or London, right? No, no, he hasn't. He's not so an he's international traveler. Uh-oh. sealed off of that, Yeah. so they can't has. get to him. No. It's only Manafort and Flynn and Kushner that have been out there that well, they are tainted. No, there's a lot more, too, actually, uh, among the people close to uh, Trump. So anyway, we'll see about that too. Well, I'm, is is anybody in the U.S. Senate somebody that we should consider compromised? Is there, or is that very speculative? That would be very speculative, and the people. But we should be asking that, though. Yes, we should. Uh, interestingly enough, the people that would qualify for that are McCain. He was, by the way, at the Munich conference when Putin first started attacking United States exceptionalism. Yep. Lindsey Graham is another one that is always speaking out. And I'm very interested, well, Democrats are. And I don't know if people heard uh, Adam Schiff when he spoke on the campus here. Yes, indeed. Oh, that was fascinating. Reassuring. There's a, an adult. Yes. But One, but we Democrat, need more. Right. And he has not that got that much power. Nope. So there it is. He is speaking all the time. I'm I'm yes, so amazed. Yes, I, I almost wonder if he speaks everywhere, if he'd even come to community radio. <laughs> I know. Because I, that's, <laughs> a, that's his way of registering a bit of desperation. Oh, no, I think he is desperate. I think he's trying yes. to get his own message out. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. So few regular people in Congress have not been to Russia. They have not talked to Putin. He has not made himself available. Now, uh, one of the things that I do sense, though, is uh, Kiryev, the ambassador, is 
legitimate contact. And I often have said to my class <laughs> about the um, disruption of the uh, election and, and meddling in the election that yes, 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 and one maybe. Because I don't know if Kishkev would lower himself to being involved in that kind of a moment. Okay. So uh, he's one to... He's a maybe. He is the one that I don't think... He runs the embassy, and he doesn't have to get involved in things like begging, begging for lightning the sanctions. Uh, he can act as what he is an international representative of Russia in the United States. Now, I could be wrong, but I think that's pushing it too much. I also uh, think the famous interview in the Oval Office with Lavrov and Kizhev, uh was a legitimate thing, except that they only invited Russian reporters and photographers. Well, and I want, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to make sure we cover that. It, was, it wasn't just the who, it was also the how. The way they comported themselves, it mm -hmm. was, there was no kind of a, a layer. There was no, uh, 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 it was thinly veiled. There was no veil of impropriety. They were just acting like they had a, a different and a special kind of ownership of that Oval Office real estate. Well, it was offensive. Yeah, but also I'm intrigued that um, even Putin was a little disconcerted by Trump revealing the classified information. Of course, because that's a loose, loose lip-sync in a ship. No, he's unpredictable. Uh, you can't yes. be sure of him, and Putin does not like to have people like that around. Uh, he much prefers somebody like Lavrov, who's a real pillar of stability. <laughs> and it's interesting to watch Lavrov. He's a very brilliant man. By the way, he's a poet. Oh, he is. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaks a number of languages. So anyway, he's stability. But And he was carrying a real mantle of power. It was If, it, if they were lesser animals, there would be... Marking, they'd be marking that room. They were marking it as <laughs> they were as heads. Hey, I don't know if you heard just recently uh, that a at a press conference with uh, Sean Spicer, he took questions from the Russian reporters and not from some of the American reporters, and so there's a definite leaning in that direction. But you know, I again. I need to remind people that there's a history that builds up on this. Putin is actually running for president. And next year. Next year, March of 2018. Um, he will permit some protests, some demonstrations in permitted areas, but if they move out of those areas, the arrests start in and the brutality starts. Um, but also, the other thing I have been watching, and I suggest other people do this as well, is the World Cup. Okay. In, in 2018. Okay. And it's being sponsored in Russia. And in Russia, there have been multiple stadiums being built. 
but they're having trouble with the stadium in St. Petersburg, and they're trying now to get the money out of the wealthy of St. Petersburg and the mafia of St. Petersburg, but it's having trouble getting finished. But also, if you remember how uh, Russia and Putin reacted to the last World Cup, where there were demonstrations, it was horrible. And they are very um, prejudiced. And the fans are unruly, uncontrollable. Even worse than the British, I have to say. Really? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really is worrisome is that many of the soccer players, especially from uh, Western Europe, are black. They're from Africa. In fact, they come up in special camps. And the Russian fans... They're not going to go for that. Well, they treat them like monkeys. And they make monkey noises, and they make, and it's just excessively rude. And you have to, you're, you're going to have to watch That's that. That's going to be so ugly. It is very ugly, and I can see uh, this is going to lead to <gasps> histicuffs, et cetera, and so forth. You know, no, it can be very ugly, and I'm very worried about that. Now that will happen after the presidential after vote. March, right? It'll be yeah. in the, su- mm-hmm. the summertime. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly in Moscow? Or oh, no, no. Oh, it's, it's all over? It's all over the country. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be a bigger order then to maintain stability you. with oh, yeah. that kind of infrastructure sprawl. Absolutely. So he, he's got, yeah. he must have his mind on that now. Well, he's yeah, but he's still l- having to try to get these uh, stadiums finished. Yeah. And it's Sochi be like Part Sochi. 2. <laughs> just, yeah, which was over 50... $50 billion over co- overrun costs there. Yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> Talk, we went on to the wa- the World Cup tangent there. So I want to know about with the elections, mm. I mean, and I'm sufficiently unnerved, so I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to have you back. We'll, co- we'll talk about, dissect what happened in the elections and before what's on the horizon with the World Cup. But So we'll, for the elections, we'll have to watch and see who's been detained like Navalny may be detained at that point, or what? Or we'll see. Looking at carefully at yeah. if it looks like a liberal reaction from Putin, is it simply a matter of opening the valve to let some of the pressure off? Well, you recommended the article by Marsha Giesen. Yes, and she is saying what is concerning to Putin is that the younger generation who did not know the communist period. Uh, are growing up, and they what they're protesting mostly is corruption. Yes, and that's what ha- that's where Navalny got that mm-hmm. tremendous turnout. Yeah, surprised everybody, yes. and it even surprised you. No, it did not, <laughs> because no. you know that demographic. I know he has that power. He has, he okay. has got their minds, and it's just wonderful to watch, actually. But I'm not going to. S- think he's going to bring democracy to Russia. Anybody that no. says that is completely off base. You know. So the <laughs> concepts that, uh, well, well, actually there's so many mm. concepts that Peter Pomerantsev brings up, and it's the, one was the paradox of conquering all while remaining ethnically pure. And so that's going to be the problem yeah. in the World Cup is that mm-hmm. ethnic purity mm-hmm. that is celebrated in Russia, but here's non- White Russians that are 
supreme in the competition in the World Cup, but also this is a, a, a foreign policy paradox for, mm-hmm. for yeah. Putin. Yes, it is. But he nevertheless, and I am intrigued by this, um, is spreading the concept of a powerful Russia throughout the rest of the world. And he's doing this in China, but also I use this as an example. If you go to Paris, there's a huge, not a big, huge, but big cathedral now. There's a huge... A Russian Orthodox cathedral. Yes. Okay. You can see it on the left bank, just not far from the Eiffel Tower. That's big. Okay. And also connected to that is a Russian cultural center. And I'm intrigued. I have no idea how they're getting along with the French-based Paris Russians and their church. So anyway, Something to watch there. And watch what Macron, yes. how he... Since he's, there, he's flexing he, muscle. And how he interacted with Putin, and I loved it. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Was he at Versailles, I think? Or That's right. It? He mm-hmm. set it all up, all the magnificence of that. Well, also, That was well staged. Well played? Was, yeah, no, it was well staged. And uh, Macron has a... He feels he has enough power. And with Le Pen, who lost... This was Putin's loss because Putin had actually financed some of her campaign. So we'll see what happens. And Macron understands Napoleonic code just like Putin does. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a chess game to watch. Then that's right, guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) so let's talk about Putin's recent press conference and he does oh, yeah. this it's a very ritualized it's almost it's practically a pageant without it is a being, pageant it is totally a pa- okay so what would you like to say about how he m- controls this line of questioning but for the end were some questions that would some people to the naked eye thought were throwing him off but those were probably still some kinds of valve loosening gestures well i th- I'm not sure, and I just, again, wonder if he is opening himself up to a little criticism. It may be what he wants, because, again, they often, these I gather it ran so he could see it. And um, uh, and he was, doesn't mind if the public talks about corruption, because this gives him more power. It's another lever. Say, another I, t- gives lever. him an opportunity, a vehicle mm-hmm. to say he objects to yeah, it. It is. Sort of Casablanca. I s- I'm shocked. I'm shocked there's corruption in this country. Is that <laughs> yeah. how he does it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, also, or we'll clean it up because he's Mr. Fix-It, as the okay. headline show. And actually, I get a kick out of watching him at these press conferences. Which last four hours at least. Yes. And he sits at a table like a, a throne. Oh, okay. Because I haven't seen it. I've just read about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he actually kind of enjoys acting as the benevolent patriarch. Or the Tsar. Mm-hmm. Benevolent Tsar. That's right. Yeah. Does he ever use the word Tsar when he, in the, any kind of Not public that I address? Know of. No. Mm-mm. It's all embedded with the cross around his neck well, and his comportment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just remember that most of the leaders of the Soviet Union and even uh, Yeltsin are countrymen from the country. 
often from the south, often on the border of Ukraine. In wow. fact, many of them were involved, like Khrushchev in Ukraine. Putin comes from St. Petersburg and is surrounded by royal regalia, palaces, magnificent streets and buildings and reminders and even the uh, Winter Palace and the Hermitage. This is Putin's world. He is a different than the other ones. Only one. Oh wow, that does stand. And he doesn't ever leave that symbolism no, if alone. You ever see the famous picture of him coming into the Kremlin and he's coming in through golden doors onto a red carpet. Right. This is very Romanov. Very. <laughs> well, I must say, Peggy Marduden, it's always a a marvel to hear how much we need still to work on. And mm -hmm. I, I want to leave a standing invitation to you for you to come back and put back in front of our attention what we need to, what, what, what's being neglected. So maybe one parting quick line from you is what we ought to be taking special note of other than what you've mentioned already. Just one, one sort of past uh, parting Well, again, piece. I... I am intrigued of the fear that comes from the White House. Watch that. Watch, Watch that. that operating emotion mm -hmm. and, and frame it that way, flag it, and attribute all the other gestures to what that is and how that incapacitates yeah. a leader and a negotiator in domestic terms. It's true. And then also follow the money. Okay. I can't say that more strongly. No. Well, I want to thank you, Peggy Mardudin, for coming on today's show. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure, actually. And we're going to close with the most appropriate music I, pairing I could. It's Pussy Riot's <laughs> I Can't Breathe. Stay tuned. That was my wrap. Next week, we're going to hear from some neighbors who've launched a local solar residential project and then our annual ritual of welcoming the New Swan Theater Shakespeare Festival here at UC Irvine. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Talk to you next week. <laughs>